The long and winding road leads us here to the doorstep of the postseason. One win, a little bit of help away from ending 17 seasons of misery. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Now, how many quarterbacks have you ever seen hurdle anyone? Oops, he throws. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. You're listening to the Red, White and Buffalo Blues. We are on episode 52 and I am joined again, finally, after his hiatus last week with Alex. I'm Matt. Alex, how you doing? Oh man, let me tell you, um, there were things coming out of my dog that I thought were out of a horror film. So, uh, yeah, I had a bad night the last night that we were doing, um, uh, supposed to record. Uh, my dog is doing fine, so nobody worry. Uh, but yeah, we've been to the vet, uh, three times in the last week, but uh, everything is okay now. That's good. So, so we will, we'll kick it off. We've got a great interview lined up with, um, with cover ones, Greg Tomset, uh, coming up, but we'll kick it off with the, um, with the bills um the bills news and obviously one number one is actually um is greg olsen he's now signed for seven seven point five million one year deal with seattle but obviously he had visits last week with the bills himself i mean in your opinion would you want to see Greg, would did you want to see? Sorry, Greg Olson as a um, as a bill, or do you think it's just one of those like luxury picks? Or, or yeah, what? no, I think it's just one of those things that looks better on paper than it does in real life. Um, people were comparing it to the way Frank Gore came in to help Singletary, um, and I think at this position it's a little different. Uh, Frank Gore is uh, eighty seven years old, uh, and he really was designated for an RB2 slot. Greg Olson can still be tight end one. And I think that uh, it it would be interesting to add a package where we roll two tight ends, kind of the way the Patriots used to, but I think that um, that's not how this offense is designed. Um, I want to see Dawson Knox getting the majority of the reps at uh, tight end one, and I think that Greg Olson would cut into that. Uh, so I think that between Knox, Croft, and Sweeney, I think that we have everything that we need at the tight end position. Uh, I hope that we don't address it in the draft or in the free agency. Um, it's 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 unnecessary. Uh, sure, Dawson Knox might need a little bit of a you know a mentor, but uh, hey, that's what the coaches are for. So let's not waste a wash. Let's not waste a roster spot on a player yeah. coach. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've obviously got Lee Smith as the veteran presence in the um in the tight yeah, end. Yeah, but I don't think he's leading a hands drill. So well, yeah, but I mean, obviously, a veteran presence as in he's been in the league yeah, for for sure. Yeah, but I Which, think I mean the biggest thing on Knox was his drops, and uh, yeah, I mean Olsen, uh, everyone's seen it by now. He's had four drops in four seasons, um, you know, uh, combined. So yeah, that kind of thing would help Knox. But I mean, that's on the coaches. Let's not bother with a player to do that. Yeah, 
So, in your opinion, it's glad that he, that he actually signed with the Seahawks and not with the Bills. Yeah, that's money that's better spent elsewhere. Next one, I I went over this. I said I was against it um, on the last episode. Um, there were rumours, and Jason LeCanfer actually um, said there were rumours that Bills executives were going to look to um, franchise uh, Jordan Phillips now for the tag for a defensive tackle for or franchise tag is 15.5 million now yeah really is that a case that too much money you'd be happy with that i mean even if they try to franchise tag um shaq lawson that's going to be 19 million for yeah for one year so So, the way i see a french franchise tag is you use it on a player who is gonna leave um, because I don't know, it's, it's not meant for the players that we have, you know, um, you would franchise tag a player who just had like 15 sacks, uh, and is an established name. And he's like, I can go get a paycheck somewhere else. Um, mm. but that's a guy who's getting like 90% of the snaps. That's who you franchise tag someone who you can't afford long-term, but you want for one more year because you know, you're going to win next year. You know, yeah. it's a thing that you use when you're like, you can't afford to lose the player. We can afford to lose Shaq and uh, Jordan Phillips because they're bit players. Um, and I like the both of them, but they both are as effect- they're they're at their most effective when they're at a 50% snap count, 60% snap count. Uh, I think for Shaq, for Jordan, it's maybe 40% snap count. Yeah. They're, they're situational players. They can't do every down. Um, and those prices uh, are for every down players. So mm. let someone else go and overspend for a guy who is going to not play up to that price tag. Yeah. So so if you had a choice, if, if they came down to those two, obviously with the other, um, other free agents, they're pretty much sentenced. Well, I wouldn't say set in stone, but you know they're not going to command big, big money. Obviously, out of those two, is there one you would particularly have over the other? Because for me, yeah, um, it'd be it'd be um, Shaq over mm-hmm. um, over Jordan. Yeah, I wish I could make that decision after the draft, <laughs> uh, because. I mean, after free agency and after the draft, then we can really decide what we have. But uh, no, um, it's going to be good because we're going to see... Obviously, Brennan Bean knows what they both want. And he mm. knows what, internally, they're both worth. Both as yeah. uh, both as what they contribute on the field and what their numbers mean to the salary cap. And um, if I had to pick one, I think at uh, a position of need, I would prefer to pay Shaq. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, I'm saying that I'd rather have a defensive. I'd rather not have a defensive end rotation. I think that if you sign Shaq, that means maybe you don't draft a guy high enough to be an every down player. You might, if, you know, address defensive end in the third round, whereas you might get a, the better player in the first round. So it really depends on how you're going to build this team going forward. Um, right now, we have a rotation on the defensive line. Every position there has a rotational player. Um, and I think that there's more depth at tackle than there is at end. 
So that's why I would sign him. But if someone like Ngakwe comes our way, if we can string a trade for that, if there's something that we could do to replace Shaq, then don't sign him. And then also let Phillips go because you have Harrison, you have Legette, you have Ed Oliver. I mean, you have guys. So I think uh, it's better to let them both go and uh, just uh, get depth and maybe just add a defensive end via free agency. Yeah, so, I mean, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a Shaq, um, Shaq guy. Cause as I say, it's, then you've got, you can still draft if you want to draft high a defensive end. And you've also got that. You've got Ed Oliver. There's no way Jordan Phillips is gonna is gonna be a start is gonna now start starting again start 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 starting over Ed <laughs> Oliver. Yeah, I mean the way I'm looking at the way I'm addressing mock drafts in uh, in my uh, preview up to the draft is uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm definitely considering drafting defensive end as a position of need more than defensive tackle. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if we do do defensive tackle, it's going to be in the fifth or sixth round just to be a depth guy. But defensive end is a high priority, I think, with Hughes getting older and Shaq maybe going and Trent maybe not being as efficient as we need. Uh, it's definitely because, I mean, we talked all season about um, their pressure rate and it just wasn't wasn't very good uh, for being an elite defense. The pressure QB pressure rate wasn't very well, wasn't very good. So, yeah, definitely defensive end over anything else so is there any any other news that you want to to bring up or shall we go straight into our um straight into our uh, interview mm, you know what uh slow news day i guess um you know what i guess we can quickly address uh digs watch because twitter was uh twitter was a buzz in the last 48 hours about Oh, Diggs took down all of his Minnesota Viking stuff on his Instagram and his Twitter. And, you know, um, it's fun to speculate. Uh, and he's an amazing player. Uh, and it's a pipe dream. And we'll just keep it at that. I think when it comes to previewing an offseason, the best thing to do is to be conservative and not crazy. This isn't Madden. So, yeah. yeah. Other than yeah. that, I mean, uh, yeah, we talk about that with Greg. We kind of address... Uh, the whole off season, we focus on defense. Uh, we talk a little bit about offense, um, and we talk the numbers. We talk players. So Greg gives us a really good insight into, you know, how the Bills look on tape, which players fit into that system. So yeah, uh, enjoy that. It's good stuff. As cover one, Greg Tomset joining me and uh, joining me and Alex. Enjoy. And we are joined on the Red, White and Buffalo Blues by Cover One's Greg Tomset. Greg, finally great to uh, to chat to you and thank you very much for coming on. No, I appreciate it, Matt. We're looking forward to it. Uh, big fans of what you and Alex are, are doing over across the pond and uh, excited to be able to jump on and have some fun. Awesome. Now, we're going to start off, we're going to plug in your um, your latest article you did for Cover One, which is um, your your wish lists for this um, for this coming off season. I think your last one was um, was your defence. Now, I listen to that quite a lot, and I do have a feeling that defence is one of those sneaky, um, sneaky needs to actually improve, even though there's not too much as such to um, to improve on. You're obviously looking at your defensive line and maybe your um 
Alexander replacement. Yeah, it's kind of funny how teams and a lot of fans go about that or, or might differ in their approach in that, hey, we're already good on that side of the ball. Let's put all the attention over here. And that can change very quickly in today's NFL. And I think that there obviously are a lot of starters returning and a lot of talent still. But you always, in my mind, you want to add to a strength and make it elite versus going the direction of where you might see things, uh, you start to step back, and then all of a sudden you put all your attention in another area, and now that's no longer a strength. So I I think it's important to be able to look at that, and like you said, in the article I tried to focus on a couple areas that I thought were of the biggest need, and I think it'll be fun to kind of talk through that. Yeah, I think, I think, and I've always, I think I've thought of it since, obviously, um, Carl Williams has left uh, that defensive line, in my opinion, is one of them. Because obviously you've got Jordan Phillips actually, um, as a free agent. You've got Shaq Lawson as a free agent. It's sneakily one of those um, needs. And obviously Star Lutalele actually um, restructuring. So behind them, there's not really that much that much depth. And that's that's obviously what I'm thinking is mostly your most, um, the most dire need, so to speak. Well, I was, so I was I was wondering with with um, with Jordan Phillips, uh, which I remember it was like last month or something where there was this big like which side are you on kind of sign them or don't sign them. Someone wrote an article. Um, I think it may be Bruce Nolan or something. But uh, what, what where do you fall on, on him? Um, so I, I try to be careful not to take, you know, super hard stances against a player specifically. I do, however, take some pretty firm stances on the value of a player. So mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a big fan of Jordan Phillips. I think that he has a lot of value as a rotational three tech tech uh, three tech uh, defensive tackle as a backup to Ed Oliver, and I'm even fine paying him at a higher level of what a rotational backup defensive tackle should be paid. And I'm fine if that's five or $6 million because he came in as a waiver claim at 2 million, got a raise up to four and a half million. And I'm fine bumping that up again because I think he's been pretty good. However, I think there's a lot of flaws in the idea of people thinking and just pulling up the box score and saying, yeah, but he had nine and a half sacks or 14 tackles for a loss and not watching the film and understanding how those things happened or how sustainable they were or whether that's repeatable down the line. And then all of a sudden you're looking at, can that be what we should expect in the future? Mm -hmm. So if a team wants to pay him like that and they want to pay him nine, 10, 11, $12 million a year, God bless him. That that's fantastic Mm -hmm. for him. And I hope it pans out for him. And I root for, for Jordan Phillips and, and would be happy for him on that payday. I don't want that to come from Buffalo. Yeah. Cause there was, there was talk. I think it was, was it Jason LeCamford that she said that talks of him getting um, franchised by the bills. I mean, you only, I guess you only really do that if, if you think there's going to be a bit of trade value in there or you can obviously work out a longer deal on there. But for 15 and a half for for one year, I think that is that is too much. And obviously you've got you've got um, Shaq Lawson, a decision with him and obviously other needs or other free agents to actually look to to try and re-sign as well as obviously our own 
our own guys are actually coming out of contract the end of next uh, next season. Well, staying staying at that position though, I was thinking um, because coming into this last season, I didn't really feel anything for Harrison Phillips. I thought that maybe he was maybe just gonna settle in as a backup guy, but then he really showed some stuff at the beginning of the season. I was like, hmm, maybe he could start soon. Um, what do we? Th- expect from like that him next year like if we don't sign jordan do we start harrison and are just okay with harrison star and ed does that um, make sense yeah yes yeah, so i see where you're going with that and i think it's important that we look at the idea of harrison phillips is again a very similar to how i described uh jordan phillips he has value I think that value is as a rotational player who can be the primary backup to Star Lotulele and a little bit of the three technique snaps with the potential, if he's fully healthy and comes back all the way, that he could be more than that and be the long-term replacement for yeah. uh, for Star, uh, Star. I don't think that we can count on him to be some integral piece day one. Yeah, I think... I I I really like what he did. Obviously, before his injury, he I think we were really stout against the um against the run. So that was that was something that was sorely missed when he went down. But it it's good that he's actually made that improvement from from the start or from when he first got drafted. And it's actually you have seen that continual improvement and looking um looking good for for the future. Mainly as as, as you say the situational rotation maybe down the line the um the air replacement to uh two star yeah i I think he had a few moments there where he even looked like he was starting to take snaps from him so i think it's reasonable to project that but going assuming that he can be more than that coming off acl surgery is asking a lot in my opinion Mm -hmm. Mm, yeah so we're thinking that jordan phillips probably gets a nice pay a, a nice paycheck somewhere else to see if he could start it won't be from us Star takes the pay cut. We don't really want to see him on like 90% of the snaps. Is this something that they add some depth via the draft or via free agency? Which do you think would has the better pool of players? So, and you'll see anyone who follows Eric Turner, who runs the the core cover one Twitter account and, and does a lot of our, our video breakdown. He's a big advocate that defensive tackle is a is a bigger need than what many fans think of. And I, I'm one that leans more towards defensive end, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but he's he's a pretty big advocate that we need an investment in defensive tackle. Now, again, that costs a lot of money in free agency. So I think there are some guys I like Malik Collins, who's coming off of his contract with uh, Dallas. I actually think there's a chance that Vernon Butler, who was the first round pick four years ago for Carolina. Now that we hired Eric Washington as the new defensive line coach here coming from Carolina, all of the staff got fired in Carolina. I don't see them retaining him. He could be a similar guy to where you're taking a 
once highly thought of prospect on a low deal and hoping you hit on something just like what happened with Jordan Phillips, that could be Vernon Butler. I think that range of two to $4 million is the market they could shop in. If they don't find that guy, I do think there's some talent in the draft. I like Devon Hamilton out of Ohio state. He looked really good at the senior bowl. So did Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma. Uh, Neville might go a little bit higher than what I'd like, but from a mid round guy, um, that's a name that I have on my radar is Devon Hamilton. And I think that's the kind of area we'd look at. I'd be a little surprised if we saw a day one or a day two pick. But as soon as you get into that fourth or fifth round, I think that makes a lot of sense to bring in a rotational guy. So if you were to do both and say we invite back Corey Lugit, we invite back Vincent Taylor, we mm-hmm. spend a fifth, a fifth round pick, we invite a try to sign to a low risk guy like uh, Vernon Butler and let everybody battle it out and we just keep the top two out of that group i think that could make a lot of sense yeah. i like i like that 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 seems to make the most sense because uh i remember on our on our last show i gave matt some some flack for saying he wants to go first round with defensive end and i felt bad about it so i did research and now i'm coming around to the idea uh so staying on the d line at the end do we find <coughs> shack and if so is he the answer then, or do we need more there? Um, so very similar to my comments on Jordan Phillips. Um, I value Shaq, but I value Shaq as a really good run defender. Really good run defenders, in my mind, get paid six, seven, eight million dollars. I'm fine if we sign uh Shaq Lawson to three years and $24 million as a really good run defender. My concern is one of the teams that scouted him coming out of Clemson and loved him to the degree that Rex Ryan loved him is going to think there's additional pass rush value left and is going to want to pay him at that level. And I just don't know that I see that. I don't know that I see that level of additional value and improvement still coming that I want to get into a bidding war at nine, 10, 11 million dollars. If he gets up to that level, I think we can go elsewhere and sign a different player with more pass rush upside that would be worth switching over to. Yeah, I think I mean I I was a bit hit and miss on on Shaq myself, but obviously more and more he grew in that um last season obviously leading defensive ends for the bills and six and a half sacks i do like to think that if if it was me that made the choice between phillips and lawson that i'd probably take lawson a little bit more obviously not just for his style against run but what 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 pass rush he does have would be more useful than obviously if we spend what, what 24 million or so per year on um on like an Ngokwe or anything like that. Um I think I do like I've have started to come round to to Shaq quite a bit and would be open to see him see him come. But there are quite a few of free agent um defensive ends that are actually or edge defensive ends that are coming out like I mean I like Ezekiel answer. I mean you've obviously got Robert Quinn, Vic Beasley, so there is there is market in there, so I think I think it's going to be interesting to see what they actually do, and especially with the eighty odd million cap space, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting um, interesting few weeks. 
to to put a wrinkle in this be a GM conversation that we're having, uh, is there anything to be said about culture? Because I mean, we see so often uh, Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson in front of the camera as kind of the big cheerleaders for the Buffalo Bills uh, in 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 video clips. Uh, would we try? Would we overpay just to keep them in the locker room? I mean, do we have any idea of like that feel? Um, that's never going to be. That's never going to be a standalone reason. That's never mm-hmm. going to be a yeah. deciding factor. But I would say that there's there's some reasonable logic that having a guy that is a good locker room presence has value. You know, I mean, there, there's logic to that. I don't know that either of them. I, I think that the locker room presence you see from a Frank Gore, from a Lorenzo Alexander in the pursuit of Greg Olson, guys like that is more valued what than the, for. yeah, than the sideline cheerleading and the, yeah. you know, being the guys who mocked Zeke at the Thanksgiving game doing his serial thing. Um, I, I don't, oh, no, 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 I like it. I like it. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. That, I don't know that McDermott and Bean like it as much as we liked it, or that it's going to be a yeah. factor in their contract. I will yeah. say one element that does make sense is when the guy that they have most significantly called out in the public is Shaq Lawson at the end of last season. Not you know almost thirteen yeah. months ago. Now they were pretty vocal about calling out his need to step up he then had a career year it was only six and a half sacks it was only 32 tackles but it was his best season i think there's some value in the message in the locker room that hey if we challenge you and you step up to that we're comfortable paying you and and i think there's some value to that message I, i don't know that that's a again that's a tiebreaker kind of thing that's not a reason you sign someone but i could see that being a factor yeah i mean I mean, is it is it a case that we, do you think we will see uh, Brandon Bean splash out on the um, on defensive end side? I mean, I like your your suggestion, and I liked him when he was um, when he was actually in the year he was actually due to come out 2016. Matt Judon as a um, as a nice little uh, pickup. Do you think they'll go for that sort and and like tier two type defensive ends, or do you think that the splash with the cash, were, oh, nice rhyme. Uh, <laughs> would come with like Ngakwe and and that. It's really hard to rhyme something with Ngakwe, so I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> um, so I think that it's very reasonable that the position we spend the most money on is defensive end. Now, does spend the most money mean 21 million? Does it mean 17 million? Does it mean 14 million? I think that it's very likely that our biggest signing is a pass rusher. Now, if that ends up being a guy more in the ballpark of Shaq Barrett or Bud Dupree or Eric Armstead instead of Jadavian Clowney or Yannick Ngakwe, that might be a different number. I think that Judon. Yeah, I think Judon is the most reasonably priced of the elite guys. 
Now, if I had a choice at the same price tag, I would take Yannick Ngakwe, but I think Judon might go for just a little bit less money and that you might be able to get him closer to 16 or 17 million instead of 20 or 21 million. So I'm fine spending that. I think that's the biggest need on our team. I think with how strong our back seven and our coverage is, if you had a single game wrecking presence who could win one-on-one battles and really impact the quarterback, it would make a huge domino effect. And it would also increase the last two years value on Jerry Hughes contract because he wouldn't get double teamed so much not even counting anything of stepping up from Ed Oliver. I think there's a huge domino effect of adding that piece. I'd like that piece to be of the caliber of an Ngakwe, a Clowney, a, mm. a Judon. And I'm comfortable paying for that. Cause that besides quarterback, that's the most money you're going to spend in the NFL today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously draft as well. I mean, I mean, you've seen some of my, um, my mock drafts I've done, um, obviously majority of them, if, if I do go defensive end, it's um, it's usually Bradley and I of um, of Utah that Utah State that actually um, I like quite a lot. Agreed. I, I'm a big fan. I, I actually got to see him up close and personal at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, and he has a really, really quick get off for someone as thick as he is. He's an exciting guy to be able to look for. I I hope that he's more towards that third or fourth round pick that I saw Mm. early on than what people have now talked about as a second or, or or late first, even, I think that's a little high for him, but if he's a guy that you could get ideally at that 86th pick in the third round, but even that 54th pick in the second, he's a guy I would love to be able to snag. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there is, there are a couple of other, um, uh, well, sleeper, what candies in there? Well, I wouldn't. Would you class Alex Highsmith as Charlotte more of a sleeper yeah. around three, four sort of prospect? I think he's done, he's done well, and he's obviously he's shone quite a bit um, from what I saw. Obviously, looking at just all the highlights from the um, from the Senior Bowl. I think he's a, a great example of a of a mid round guy that that still has value. And you know, I, I do believe strongly, anybody who follows me on Twitter sees, you know, I, I believe in position premium. I don't like spending high picks on, you know, replaceable positions like running back, like guard, like safety, things like that. I want my premium picks to be pass rusher, cornerback quarterback left tackle like I, I that's what i want my high round picks to be so i've spent a lot more time you know wishing and praying that aj epinesa makes it to us or that yeah. um you know clavon chazon uh guys like that somehow fall to us um but if not it's a lot more reasonable to hope that uh bradley and i you know maybe we get lucky I, i'm doing a lot of work on terrell lewis out of uh alabama oh, yeah. uh maybe hoping that uh yeter gross falls to us at 54 i don't think he's worth the pick at 22 but i've heard some rumors that he might go a little bit later than fans like so there are some names that i think and i absolutely think the defensive end is in play in that top three round area yeah so the probably one of the bigger questions on the well there's probably two big questions on the um left on the defensive side is the is the zoe replacement and who if there's anyone on the roster, do they re-sign Kevin Johnson, let him and Levi Wallace battle out for number two, or do they go after someone free agent or draft-wise to actually play opposite Trey? But those are the other two on there that really, for me, are the question marks on this um, 
on this defense at this at this point in time? Sure, I, I, I'll I'll do the Bills free agents first. Um, I do think Kevin Johnson is worth bringing back, and if they don't, I do think they should spend a little bit of money on that spot. I'm not comfortable going into next year with all our eggs in the basket of Levi Wallace as the only starter. I think that Wallace plus Johnson plus a you know second, third, fourth round pick, I, I, I think that cornerback is probably in play in the draft a little higher than most fans uh, realize. I think fans are very focused on wide receiver, defensive end, even running back. I think cornerback's more in play there than what they realize. Um, but I do think that Kevin Johnson has earned that contract to come back maybe five or $6 million a year. I'd, I'd love to do two years and $12 million and bring him back. I think he's earned that. Um, out of the rest of the guys, I, you know, all the rest of the depth linebackers, your, you know, Julian Stanford, I would bring back for special teams, but he's a backup only. Um, Maurice Alexander, I could give or take. I, I think that it's fine to give Victor Dobson, Dobson another tryout. Um, I think Corey Thompson, there's a small percentage chance that he could be something. And I was pretty disappointed in what I saw from Voshan Joseph in the preseason, but there's a chance that he kind of captures that. I assume that we do not have that starting linebacker for the strong side on the roster right now. And that we're not going to replace Lorenzo Alexander because he did like three different jobs for pass rush, even pass rush, defensive tackle, special teams and strong side linebacker. But just specific to the linebacker, I think that guy's not on the roster now and probably is going to be a veteran. It'd be fun to be someone like Kyle Van Noy, who literally could replace Zoe altogether and yeah. be the first and second down linebacker and then a really valuable pass rusher on third down and obvious passing downs. And I think it'd bring a lot to the defense, but he's also going to cost $10 million a year. Um, so I put out a couple other names that were more value guys. Kyler Fackrell is a guy out of Green Bay and um, Kamala Coria is a guy out of Tennessee, both who are, you know, more off the radar guys, but more value signings that can replace a lot of what he did. Maybe two of the jobs, maybe they could do the linebacker and the special teams or the linebacker and the pass rush, but probably not all three and maybe not at the level he did, but at a lower price tag. Yeah. I think, I think Jamie Collins, would he, would he be that sort of a sort of person? I think he'd obviously um, from coming out, come back from, from New England, I, could you see him then potentially going for him? And even would you actually go back to like Nigel Bradham, who's just been who's been released by the um, by the Eagles? Yeah, I actually think they're both in the range in between those guys I listed. So probably not getting paid as much as Van Noy, but probably getting paid more than Fackrell and and Coria. Both those guys are probably in that. I don't know, I'm going to guess six to eight million dollar range. Um, maybe Bradham's a little lower. So maybe it would go Van Noy, then Collins, then Bradham, then those two guys. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're both the kind of player that you would look at. Um, it's all do they buy into what we're doing from a scheme standpoint? Does it make sense for where things are at overall? I, I think that they sh- certainly are going to be on that list. I'd guess Bradham a little more than Collins. Yeah. I was just wondering, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot, but when you consider you, you, most, some of these guys might just all be rotational, you're maybe looking at two guys per position. Um, with needing to probably put money aside for uh, Poyer and Trey White um, and... Uh, um, uh, Milano. 
Milano yeah. <laughs> Dawkins. Yeah, Milano um, Dawkins. It's Trey been White what, Boyer. like three weeks? It's been like a month, and I already forgot everyone's name. Um, <laughs> uh, is there enough money? I mean, I know where we talk about we have a lot of money, but is there enough money to address each position? Because I have this theory that, like, you can't have each position locked down. There's got to be a weakness somewhere. Uh, and, and I'm thinking it'll probably be Zoe's position next year, uh, replacing him. Uh, what did you think? What do you think would be more important, um, cornerback depth or uh, replacing Lorenzo Alexander? Because we can't fill every spot because we haven't even talked about offense yet. Yeah, I mean the snap counts what talks. So when you're looking at that kind of thing, the cornerbacks play a hundred percent of the snaps. The nickel cornerback plays 65% of the snaps. The strong side linebacker plays 25 to 30% of the snaps. So right now, McDermott and Leslie Frazier are telling you outright who matters more because they're putting them on the field. So Mm -hmm. obviously if you have to choose your amount of money or your draft capital in my mind is pretty strongly skewed towards the secondary over that spot, but finding the right guy who can do more jobs than that. Cause if you look at Lorenzo Alexander's snap count, he often was up at 40, 50, 60% of snaps because he could do more jobs than just Mm -hmm. that strong side linebacker. So if all of a sudden that guy that you sign can only play strong side linebacker, then I want to pay him like a guy who only plays 25 to 30% of snaps. Obviously, Kyle Van Oy can do that job plus pass rusher. So all of a sudden, rather than being signing a value rotational defensive end, like some of the lower level names we talked about and a strong side linebacker, give both of those chunks of money to Kyle Vanoy because he can do both jobs. So it, it's all relative. I'm comfortable paying for the snap count that we're going to get out of a player. And the more versatile you are, the more jobs you can do at a high level, the more comfortable I am stretching on that number, the more limited you are, the better value I want on that contract. Yeah. Could, could you see then a scenario where, where Bean actually did decide to to actually go for Judon and Carl Van Noy, or is it would it be a case of be one or the other, and the other one be your um your second tier um second tier guys? Um, so I'd love to be able to figure out the math to make that work. <laughs> I I don't think so. Now I do think that you could see. A, uh, I'm going to say Bud Dupree and mm. a Kyle Van Noy, um, a Mario Addison and a Kyle Van Noy, a, you know, guys that, 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 that we might pay somewhere in the, in the nine to $11 million range. If we send Judon, he's going to cost $17 million, maybe more. I don't think that we see anybody else of a very high level other than retaining our own players. So yeah. if we if we sign and spend that much money, it's just not going to end up being additional major signings of a $10 million range. So uh, let me flip that around. I could see Matthew Judon and Kyler Fackrell. I could see mm. Matthew Judon and Kamala Coria. I could see, you know, so it's all that combination. I think that those two positions together, we could spend 20 to $22 million. So I don't think that if you're talking about Judon and Van Noy, 
those two might be thirty million dollars. I don't yeah. think that I don't think that combination's in the budget. Yeah. So and um, obviously the last the last thing really on defense is it could it be a sneaky um, depth addition maybe in free agency or draft is is safety because obviously you've got John Poyer for for at least this year unless they um, sign him to um, an extension. Then you've got two years of Hyde left. And then after that, you've got just uh, Jaquan Johnson. And depends on how you view um, Saran Neal, because obviously they want him to do a bit of safety and a bit of um, a bit of corner work. I think that's the last position really on the defence that you could possibly see them spending maybe a fourth or fifth round pick to get a safety they can groom behind Hyde and Poyer to team with Johnson uh, when the times uh, when the time's right. Yeah, it, it's going to be. I think we're going to know a lot about their plans for Jordan Poyer in the next two or three months. Because if all of a sudden we see them maybe sign a little bit higher level safety than we expected, or they spend a little bit higher pick on a safety than we expected that may be an indication that they're not going to end up giving uh, Jordan Poyer the two years and $25 million that he's expecting. Yeah. So if we don't see that, I don't know that it automatically means we are going to bring him back because we could also invest in that next spring. But right now I don't see Jaquan Johnson or Saran Neal or Kurt Coleman or Dean Marlowe or anyone like that as a viable option to replace Jordan Poyer. So either we're going to plan to resign him, in which case I think we see a mid to late round pick again. If all of a sudden we see a sneaky, oh, wow, the Bills spent a third round pick on a safety, that's an indicator to me that we're not planning to pay the number that they're looking for. And I, you know, I don't think it's quite that simple of an absolute direct correlation, but it certainly would be how I'd interpret that if we saw that pick. Could we see, could we see them, um, if he's actually um, around that third, if if they if they do somehow spend the third round on a safety, could you potentially see like the um, Anton Winfield Jr. actually um, signing to actually uh, to play for the same team his father played for? I would absolutely love that. Um, there's a handful of guys that I really like on Twitter. One um, that I was really impressed with, he called Antoine Winfield Jr. the next Teron Matthew. Um, and that I don't know that I'm quite that high on him, but I love the versatility and what he can offer in that hybrid safety Buffalo nickel, you know, kind of player that can play multiple roles that even decreases the value of that strong side linebacker even further. So if we were to pick a guy like that, or another one that I really like is Kyle Duggar out yeah. of uh, Len- Lenoir Rhine, the D two school in North Carolina. Um, if we pick a guy like that, I see that more as a movable chess piece than an obvious replacement to Jordan Poyer. So that's a scenario where I could see them leaving that door open to still bring back Poyer. And actually, I know we didn't get fully into all the extensions. I think the likelihood of re-signing and extending guys is in the order of Trey White, 
Deion Dawkins, Matt Milano, and then Jordan Poyer. If there's any chance that anybody's brought back on a one-year franchise tag or transition tag, I think it's Poyer, where that's Mm. maybe how they handle that as they kick that can down the road, give him a high one-year payday, and then figure it out. Um, I think he's more in play doing that than the other guys. Yeah. So, so it looks like we just spent a lot of money and maybe three draft picks on the defense. Let's switch to offense. Um, uh, three needs, I would say. Uh, offensive line, wide receiver, and running back. Um, thank God we don't need to talk about quarterback. Uh, <laughs> that's what we've been doing for the last 20 years, and we don't have to right now. Um, it's just it's, it's a crazy feeling. I don't know if you feel the same way, but like, it feels like all of the holes that we have, we can address in one off season. Whereas we've previously talked about, oh, this is going to take two years. This is going to take three years. This is uncharted territory for me. I, I this optimism is is it's it feels kind of gross, honestly. <laughs> but, it, it, um, I can't lie, it's a very foreign feeling. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if if we were going to take a defensive player, defensive end probably or defensive probably not defensive tackle in the first round, but defensive end in the first round, where do we address running back wide receiver? And do we need to address the O-line if we re-sign long in Spain? Um, I I do think that that can change. I I do think that the draft can be drastically impacted after free agency because, you know, Mm -hmm. last year at this time, all of us were adamant that we had to take a left tackle in the first Mm. round or uh, sorry, not left tackle an offensive lineman in the first round. Mm. Then all of a sudden they signed seven of them in free agency. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh, well, I guess that kind of opens that up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that things can change between now and then if all of a sudden we sign Yannick Ngakwe and Mario Addison, I'm going to feel less pressure to want to invest that first round pick in defensive end where right now that's probably my choice. If we sign AJ green and Demarcus Robinson, then all of a sudden, Oh, well, I guess we're not quite as pressed to take a receiver. Um, so I think lots of things can change between now and then as of right now, I would expect the first three picks to be some order of defensive end wide receiver and cornerback. Now, I think running back and offensive line have the highest probability of sneaking in there and being one of the other picks. And I do think that would be the first five picks that I would rank. You know, I could see logic of a linebacker. I could see logic of a safety, but they're a lesser degree in my mind. Um, Depending on what we do in free agency, offensive line could bump down pretty quickly. If we re-sign Quentin Spain and Leadran Waddle, I don't know that we need to draft a lineman. I'd love to see Mm -hmm. John Simpson out of Clemson or Damian Lewis out of LSU or Lloyd Cushenberry out of LSU. Those are guys I'd love to see. But if we already have Quentin Spain coming back, John Feliciano, Spencer Long, Mitch Morris, uh, Ike Botger, I'm probably good. I'm probably okay. Mm. If we have Deion Dawkins, Cody Ford, Ty Insecki, and Leadrin Waddle, I'm probably good. You know, we're bringing back our top, nine offensive linemen to a group that was improved and now has an entire second year of gelling and chemistry. 
I'm probably okay there. Now, will I be excited? Now, from a free agency standpoint, I'd love to see them go get Joe Thune from New England or Brandon Scherf from Washington or some huge upgrade at one of those positions. But even beyond that, I don't expect it to go that we don't re-sign Quentin Spain and don't add anyone, and all of a sudden guard yeah. is a huge need. you know. But beyond that, I expect those picks to be defensive end, wide receiver, cornerback are the top three in my mind. Well, yeah. based on Based on the tape... Is Cody Ford going to stay at right tackle? So the best part about this new front office is that it's been great for someone like me who can watch a lot of film and analyze what's going on, but also enjoy the fact that, wow, what I want to happen is also what I predict to happen. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one area that that differs a bit is – they seem pretty adamant that Cody Ford's a tackle. I think yeah. he could be a Pro Bowl level dominant mauler of a guard. I would love to see them kick him in and move it. The rambling I just did a moment ago, the one scenario that I could see where they don't re sign uh, Quentin Spain is because they plan to move uh, forward into guard and then draft another tackle to pair with mm-hmm. Ty and Secchi. That is a path that I could see. Um, However, I, they've made an awful lot of effort of finding out if he's a tackle. I think there was a couple comments in the postseason presser that left the door open a crack, but I will be a little bit surprised if we see them move him, and I assume that he's going to be the offensive tackle going forward. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave wide receiver for the last um, last chat on the um, on the offensive side. What do we do running back? Well, obviously. You can get three types of 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 running backs. You can get your your speed back, your another a power back, and obviously another Devin Singletary type um, type back. In your opinion, what one would be best suited for for this offense? Could could you see them doing a going for the same sort of player as Singletary, maybe with just that little bit more speed, or do you see him going? either or on both sides obviously that is going to be one one spot assuming that it's more likely we're not going to be signing re-signing um frank gore uh i absolutely agree that i don't expect us to re-sign frank gore um i would say that i know some people get caught up with the idea of a complimentary back or needing it to be an alternate to the guy that you have. And I get that logic. It makes sense. If you have Derrick Henry, you want your, you know, scat back guy that, that makes sense and can do the other things. However, the big difference is when you make those shifts and when you went from Devin Singletary to Frank Gore, it's a lot more predictable to the defense of what you're going to do. So I would much rather us get a, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, a Zach Moss, a Cam Akers, who I think are more similar all around backs to Devin Singletary, and that when they're keeping each other fresh, and whether that's a, you know, 60 40, two thirds, one third split, I think Devin Singletary has earned the opportunity to be the lead back, but he's not Zeke Elliott that needs 35 touches and yeah. Christian Christian McCaffrey, who's playing 98% of the snaps, that's not who we need him to be. So I would much rather have a guy who can also do similar things. I won't be sad if they're faster than he is. Um, but 
I want a guy that when he comes on the field, you don't automatically know the likelihood of the play that we're going to run. Yeah. So some, someone again, that I've been looking at is, um, is Antonio Gibson in Memphis. I quite like, I quite like him, obviously what he can actually, um, what he can bring to the, um, Potentially to an NFL offense, not just and the Niners. The Niners rolled with three running backs, uh, pretty much for as when they were healthy. Uh, played them a lot. I think that, <clears throat> I mean, maybe doing like what Matt says, get a guy at the draft and maybe still sign a guy. But what about TJ Yeldon? Is um, he still on the roster? <laughs> so I, you, I made this comment a million times last year with the example of Zay Jones, and I'll say that with TJ Yeldon. I'll say that with lots of other people here. There is no scenario where Brandon Bean makes any decision where the sentence comes out of his mouth that says, we don't need that guy because we have TJ <laughs> Yeldon. So I don't. he's just not a factor in any of those decisions. Now, mm-hmm. I don't want to be dismissive or disrespectful of the fact that there is a scenario where he's still on this roster next year. You know, if we end up drafting A.J. Dillon out of Austin College and then the backfield is A.J. Dillon and Devin Singletary, well, in that scenario, we could probably still use a T.J. Yeldon. If we draft a guy who has some receiving skill and then is maybe a better ball carrier than T.J. Yeldon, then I don't think we need that any longer. And I don't see any scenario where he's a factor in that. The one space I could see is I went down the path of looking at some of the receiving backs in free agency, like a Chris Thompson, like a CJ Procise. Maybe he becomes a factor there where they question of, hey, is this guy really that much of an upgrade where we want to pay CJ or Chris Thompson 5 million when we have TJ Yeldon at 1.9 million? Eh, let's just give Yeldon the 1.9 million there. He's not that much better than him. I guess that's one area where I could see it, but anyone beyond that, that it's any significant investment in free agency, which again, I'm adamantly against, I hate spending money on running backs. Um, but in the draft specifically, I just don't see him factoring in. He's a, a safety net, a backup plan, an insurance policy yeah. in case in case we need him. So Matt Matt Breeder, then the 49ers, is that someone that's someone that's been linked a few times? Is that would would he command that sort of money that you think I'm gonna I'll go with a draft pick and have Yeldon rather than actually go single Terry? Uh, breeder and um, and then say a draft pick, maybe uh, Cam Akers or um, Antonio Gibson. So the hard part is, and I'll lump Kareem Hunt into this as well. Both Matt Breida and Kareem Hunt are restricted free agents. So the challenge you run into is, can you thread the needle of a high enough offer that Cleveland? And San Francisco won't match the offer, but not so high that they're no longer a value at the contract that you're signing. And in my mind, finding that number that meets both of those criteria where you're not overpaying just to force them not to match the contract in case anyone doesn't remember, that's how we got the Charles Clay contract. You know, yeah, trying yeah. to trying to create an offer that Miami wouldn't match because it was so important to sign him. Mm-hmm. I just... I I don't anticipate that being the kind of situation they're going to get into 
just because I don't think that math is going to work out. I, I think that to, you know, if you were able to get a guy like that at a two or three or four million dollar a year offer, that's great. I'd love to sign Matt Breed at a three years and nine million. San Francisco would match that immediately. They'd say, Ooh. oh, all right, that's a little bit more than what we were hoping. But, yeah, we're not letting him walk for three million dollars. Come on back. Um so I don't see the scenario where we find a number that makes sense for either Brita or Kareem Hunt, but that their incumbent team won't just match it and keep him. So I'm kind of writing that off, even though I like both players a lot and would love to add them. I don't see where the math is going to work out for us to get yeah. them. Yeah. So the last thing I think most of the listeners will actually, um, and this is obviously a big talking point for them, obviously is wide receiver. They want that number one in inverted commas wide receiver obviously that can for me it actually vary doesn't they don't have to be six three six four 215 pounds or so because if you're looking at especially in the um super bowl you had samuel has uh six foot emmanuel sanders 511 tyree kill 510 to you is all bigger than what we have now <laughs> Is it is it a case that to to you that it's sort of the same sort of way that they don't have to be your six four six three guys as long as they can go up and um, contest the catches at at whatever height they are would that make a number one to you or is it yes we need a AJ Green we need uh, and Amari Cooper yet yeah, we know he's probably never even going to contemplate signing him or even like a T Higgins from the draft or some of that but it sounds like you're saying Stefan Diggs <laughs> to, to timestamp this uh, conversation this is Wednesday the 19th of February and Twitter is again falling in love with Stefan Diggs today so speak to that um, so he's a perfect example. It, let me step back a couple steps. Um, I have several traits for a wide receiver and I put them into categories of one is a filter. The other is a bonus or a factor mm. in my mind, separation skills and quickness in and out of your breaks are an absolute filter. I won't even consider a wide receiver that can't do that because unless you can flash open and get open in the NFL, you're not going to be able to fit on this team. And, you know, I, I am as big of a Josh Allen supporter as anyone on earth. He's not Drew Brees. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Kurt Warner. He's never going to be the thread the needle, perfect timing West Coast passer. I think he's going to improve his accuracy. I think it'll get better, but he does have, you know, Uber best in the league arm strength. People think that that means, Oh, he can throw it over, over them. their mountains like Uncle Rico. That that's not <laughs> what that means. What, what having the best arm strength in the league means if you have a receiver that can literally visually flash open, he can have so much separation at the break point and the top of the stem of his route that he flashes open visually. Josh can get the ball to him before the corner can do anything about it. Yeah, that's so, that Beasley catch out of the end zone uh, against yes, Dallas. Yes. Yeah. So. A guy like Stefan Diggs, who's arguably the best route runner in the NFL, creates constant separation. 
it's fantastic. Everyone is afraid of John Brown's deep ball, so he lulls those cornerbacks to sleep, and all of a sudden he hits that 15-yard comeback where Josh rifles him the ball at the far sideline, and everybody tries to figure out, oh my gosh, how is he so wide open? Well, he flashes open visually, and Josh can see him. So that's a filter for me. You can't even get on my list unless you have separation skills and route running. Then... Mm. You get into areas like straight line speed, size, wingspan, catch radius. Those are all bonuses. Those are great. If you can do those things, you're better. I'd rather have a 6'4 guy than a 5'11 guy if everything else is even. That's great. I'd love to have size and and power and things like that. But if the 6'1 guy has much better separation skills, much better route running, can get open and create separation, and the 6'4 guy, 6'5 guy is, oh, let's say Hakeem Butler, and we're concerned about whether he can actually create separation or do any of those things, I'm fine leaning back towards the quicker, better footwork, better route running guy, and I value that more. Yeah, because I mean... I mean, looking at it, obviously, especially when you're going going free agent-wise, obviously you've got your likes of your um, Amari Cooper, your AJ Greens. I mean, would could you see a scenario where the Bills made a play for, say, for example, Emmanuel Sanders? So I have... Very similar to my thoughts, uh, I tried to talk through with some fans on the disappointment in not getting Greg Olson. Greg Olson was in an interesting scenario where he could be on a short-term deal where his long-term money didn't impact uh, any of the extensions like Trey White, Matt Milano, Deion Dawkins, but could add value right now and contribute. Um, I think that's different than giving Austin Hooper $50 million over five years when I don't think he's a game-changing player that is worth $10 million a year. I'm the same way in the wide receiver market. I don't know that I'm ready to give Amari Cooper $100 million, even though he doesn't want Buffalo's $100 million. Um, However, I think A.J. Green is in an interesting pocket where I think he might be looking for a high-guarantee two-year deal. And that maybe that fits in that if we're going to draft one or two guys and I want two from this draft class, I'd love I'd love for them to learn from John Brown and Cole Beasley and A.J. Green. And all of a sudden, when those contracts are expiring, the two guys we draft now are coming into their own Mm -hmm. and ready to take over a larger role. So. If Emmanuel Sanders is looking for that, that shorter term deal, and let's use this comparison, I'd rather give Emmanuel Sanders 10 or $11 million a year for one or two years than Robbie Anderson, who might want it for four or five years, even though in a vacuum, I probably prefer Robbie Anderson to Emmanuel Sanders. That that term and what I want to build from a roster standpoint makes more sense to me of what you could get in the short term with AJ Green or Emmanuel Sanders plus two draft picks than a long-term investment like a Amari Cooper or a uh, Robbie Anderson. And then in the article I did on my offensive wish list, I talked about some of the value level receivers that you can get cheaper. Yeah, I mean, uh, was it what's the name? Um, Demarcus Robinson of um of Kansas City. Kansas City. 
Tajay Sharp from Tennessee, Rashard Higgins from Cleveland, Geronimo Allison from Green Bay. If you can get guys like that for three, four, five million dollars, I'll take a flyer on those and hope that you hit on a guy that is young, coming off a rookie deal, and either didn't get a chance to play because he had studs in front of him, like you know uh, Geronimo Allison having Devontae Adams in front of him, and all the guys in Kansas City in front of Demarcus Robinson, or a guy who is on a pretty poor passing offense like Rashard Higgins in Cleveland or Tennessee's uh, Tajay Sharp, there's at least some upside that you could hit on something. Yeah, and then obviously what is held is probably one of the deepest wide receiver drafts um, for for a while now, probably probably be upstage next year um, in 2021, but in 2020 you can get your serviceable, you can get your um, quality um wide receivers in round two and three, like obviously Regal, Justin Jefferson, Van Van Jefferson, Michael Pittman, and Peoples Jones as well. So it, it's good that there is that options and that obviously due to other needs and other depths, other positions that you're gonna get receivers like those that could fall into um into our hands in in the middle rounds. And I'm, I agree with you. With, I'd rather take two wide receivers in the draft so they can actually obviously work together, learn together, and then maybe, say, two, three years down the line, take over the mantle from uh, Brown and Beasley. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is – I actually – I don't think that the next year or any future year is going to match this. I think this is a special amount of depth of talent. I, I don't know that there's – even one Julio Jones or Calvin Johnson in this draft, but I think there might be 25 starting wide receivers in this draft. And that's absolutely crazy. The amount Mm. of, I know uh, Mel Kuyper for anyone who loves him or hates him, whatever you think of him, he's been doing this a long time. He thought it was possible. There could be 25 to 30 wide receivers taken in the first three rounds. Now that's crazy. I I don't think that's actually going to happen, but it tells you how many are there. You know, I went through with a guy two or three days ago on Twitter who ranked his top 12 wide receivers And I had seven receivers that I would have had in my top 12 that he didn't even list. He didn't even list Henry Ruggs or Brandon Ayuk or guys like that. Even anywhere in his top 20, in his top 12, between the two of us, we were debating 23 different wide receivers that we were looking at that other people had we found a spectrum of like our top five or six rankings, we found 23 different guys who were all rated in someone's top six. Mm. Mm. So, so the idea the idea is that due to teams having positional needs, with wide receiver being so uh, so uh, you know depth a lot of depth there, there could be really good value in round three and four. Is what you're saying? Absolutely, and that's why I'm so adamant on wanting two. Mm-hmm. Is that I don't yeah. mind if they, if they think that Henry Ruggs is the answer to unlock this offense by all means, snap you know, heck, move up from twenty two to seventeen to get him. Whatever you need to do, um, but ideally, whoever's there, I would love to see our second and our fourth round picks be wide receivers because mm. I think one of those top six to eight studs will be there at fifty four, and I think another guy that we might have ranked seventh and might be the 19th yeah. receiver off the board 
might be there in the fourth round because we love him, but there's so much value that somebody really talented is going to fall. And whether you think that's Michael Pittman Jr. or Clay, Chase Claypool or you know whoever Donovan Peoples Jones or Van Jefferson or Antonio Gandy Golden and like I said, 26 different guys who were in somebody else's top end of their list. There's going to be someone like that for Buffalo, and I'd love for them to get him in the fourth round and we walk away with two potential future starting wide receivers. Yeah, because, I mean, we spoke we spoke with Stevie Johnson. He said um, Lynn Bowden of, um, of Kentucky is um, is his guy to uh, to look out for as well. But, and obviously he's around five or six. Yeah, no, absolutely. There are so many talented guys that it's – it's really going to be interesting and it's going to be specific. There are different skill sets that people value different kinds of guys, different locker room fits and culture fits. I think there are so many different, um, you know, kinds of players that different teams value that I feel very confident with the recent draft history of this front office that we're going to get some real, real stellar value. Yeah. It's also why I don't expect the spending and free agency. (laughs) I do think from a wide receiver standpoint, I do expect it's more likely we get maybe one value guy and then two draft picks versus the other way yeah. around. One one last question before I, um before we disappear. You are the Bills GM. You got you're on on the clock at number twenty two. Who do you select? Okay. Um so I, I obviously I want to be realistic here because it's easy to say Chase Young. That's wonderful. I want Chase Young. Um, so <laughs> guys who I think there is some semblance of a realistic chance that they're there. Um, I don't think that either CD Lamb or Jerry Judy have any possibility of getting to 22, but I'd love one of them. So out of the guys who have a realistic chance to be there, my top three are AJ Epinesa. Clavon Chase on and Henry Ruggs. I'd love any of the three of them. Um, I would lean a little bit more towards the defensive ends out of them. I think Chazon is the better pass rusher. I think Epinesa is the better overall defensive player with both the run and the pass. I would respect anyone who wants that top end game breaking mm. speed of Henry Ruggs and would take them above them. But if anyone that I think there's any, I can talk myself into there being a realistic chance they could make it to 22. Those would be my top three guys. So if you had to choose one, I'm going to put you on the spot. I would go Henry Ruggs. I, I, I think that he's, a bigger, faster version of John Brown. And we saw what Josh Allen just did with John Brown. So if you're telling yeah. me I can get a younger, bigger, faster version of that, sign me up. Cool. Well, I just did a mock draft on the draft network and he went 19th to the Raiders. So darn. That's the moment where I'll be pounding my fist on my table so hard that I break my table. If he gets that close, like if he goes 12th, what am I going to do? You know, Hey, he's a great player. He went 10 picks before us. It wasn't going to happen anyways. <laughs> if he makes it that close and I start, you know, holding my breath and getting all excited that we're going to get him. And then he goes at 21 to the freaking Eagles. I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I asked, I asked Matthew Fairburn on our, on our last show, the exact same question. Who would he have at 22? He actually, um, said uh andrew uh andrew thomas of uh of georgia oh yeah i, I mean it's tackle in the first round that's interesting 
Now, I like I said, I think the only scenario where that comes into play realistically is because we let Quentin Spain walk and decided mm-hmm. that Cody Ford's a guard. If yeah. that happens, I think offensive tackle is way more in play in the first round than many fans realize. Mm. So, can you for for for, for fans and for the listeners, um, thank you, thank you very much for appearing on the on the show. Can you tell them where they can find you and any up and coming um, articles that um, that you may be uh, in the process of uh, of writing? Yeah, no, absolutely. Come and find me on Twitter. Always having a good time at Greg Thompson, G R E G T O M P S E T T. You could find all my work over at CoverOne.net. I'm working up my next piece now on, you know, maybe what to expect more realistically in some of these uh, contracts that are being secured. Some of the guys are getting released. You mentioned Nigel Bradham. There's a couple other names that have now floated out there in the release market that maybe we can snag before we get into free agency. Uh, and then, as your previous guest was, I'll actually be having. And Matthew Fairburn on as well tomorrow morning. We're going to be previewing the combine and talking about some guys that you can watch out for uh, in that area as well. So looking forward to it and uh, hoping to have a lot of fun. Awesome. Perfect. So once again, Greg, thank you very, thank you. very much for, for coming on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, man. This is a great time. Love all your guys' work. So fun hearing a different perspective from uh, over there in your area, even though I know that, uh, you know, obviously growing up in, in Buffalo is a little bit different, but I always love seeing that uh, from your side, Matt, and, and someone who, who wasn't born and raised here having the passion that you do is uh, a lot of fun, and I, I definitely respect it. So thank you both. Uh, the fandom is definitely alive over here. I felt it <laughs> firsthand. It's been great. Awesome. 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 Right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Greg. Take care. And we thank Greg Thompson of Cover One for that great interview, learning a lot. And as I mentioned on that interview, it was so great to actually talk to him person to person rather than through um, through the keyboard. I mean, I, I assume you got a lot, uh, a lot of good stuff out of that, Alex. Yeah, no, I mean, <clears throat> uh, I really revere Cover One for their in-depth analysis. Um, they really look at football from a smart point of view, and uh, it was great to talk about uh, that kind of stuff with him. So we are we are looking forward to to our next episode where we have um, we have Bill's long snapper Reed Ferguson joining us on the um, on the show, which. We are kind of looking forward to and actually um, hope that you will enjoy it. And we're bringing back the mailbag. Now, it's been a while since we did this. We'd love to hear your views. It could be on the on the combine, draft, free agency, offensive outlook, defensive outlook, uh, anything. Anything, anything, yep. Let us have it. Any questions comments concerns about the bills or anything else because we love answering this question obviously what we know and what we've gathered from all our interviews we've had we love to get this information over to you so we really love your questions so send us send us a message either at rwbb underscore podcast podcast on twitter send us a message on there tweet us on there tweet us bills backers uk send us a send us a message tweet us on there use the hashtag uk bills or uk bills mailbag 
get us on on Facebook, on the um, on the messenger, on the group, on the group itself. Even email us if you want to email us. It's info at ukbillsmafia.co.uk. Get all your questions in because we love these and we want to give you some really good answers. There's a lot to talk about in the off season, so yeah, let's uh, give us that kind of content. Let us know what's up. So, is there anything else before we sign off that you want to uh, you want to add, Alex? No, I feel pretty good. Um, you know, we're in that time of the year where it's just like, hey, let's get to the draft, and then as soon as that happens, it's like, hey, let's just get to you know August. So we're kind of just in the waiting period right now, you know. No. Uh, so then, on on that note, it's uh, it's for this time until next time. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Continue to review and subscribe and rate. And for me and Alex, it is Go Bills. Go Bills. Not us. Not us. You don't know anything about heart. You don't know anything about work. Huh? That's who we are. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills.